Welcome into the Dadverb Podcast, where we chat about parenting from the lens of a dad. My name is Andrew, and I am joined today by Ben Brown, Andrew Saunders in the house. But we are also joined by Carl Morawski. Did I pronounce it right? Did I did you I got it. it? I got it. You I got it. it. He's a content creator in the Warper space. He's been helping people buy better. He's got a wealth of knowledge. Uh, at one point, he was a mechanic, electrician, uh, among other things. We're excited to have him on. Um, and we... We'll be talking about a couple of things with with Carl today. Uh, we're going to dive into his knowledge because, again, he's a wealth of knowledge. We're really excited to have him on here. Um, going to be talking about gear, um, where to splurge, things to buy, talking about building resilient kids, going to answer a couple questions, uh, read off a five-star review, and then uh, we're going to close things out. So that all that and more on this episode, but I, I want to start with Carl real quick. I give you a very brief intro, but can you just fill people in who you are, where you're at, what, what dad life looks like for you and just kind of what you do. I know you've been creating content for about what, eight years now. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's give, give us the rundown real quick. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I'm Carl Morowski from Connecticut. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I was a mechanic for a long time and then got frustrated one night and drove straight to the tech school and on the way there, decided I was going to be an electrician. So that was that was about 20 years ago, and it's a job I still uh, have today. And, uh, you know, this channel kind of started, I guess, back when I was sitting in my van looking for the best work pants, and I was just like, I couldn't find anything but ads anywhere. That's it. It was just ads. And so mm-hmm. I was starting to get really frustrated because I'm like, you know, I'm looking for something that's going to last a long time, but I just keep getting these like, or it'd be a, uh, you know, a blog post that was just posing as a, and like just a third party review, you know what I mean? And I'm like, man, can I get any like real information here? So the one good thing about my space, especially with people who work with their hands, they're usually pretty straightforward and they can, they can smell BS pretty well. So um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, hit some some wins and some misses with with videos and hopefully talk to those guys and and build somewhat of a community so it's been it's been a lot of fun it's been a heck of a heck of an eight years that's for sure well he's been growing a lot you can find him on youtube uh just at carl morowski he's got to the tune of like 130 something odd uh 130 134 000 subscribers and then uh on instagram uh he's got 16k over there too carl underscore morowski M-U-R-A-W-S-K-I, in case you uh, want to check that out. We're going to have that link down below in the show notes. You can check them out. Uh, but yeah, just quality stuff uh, from Carl these last few years. Uh, and uh, I would highly recommend you check out his socials because it's uh, it's definitely going to be a fun follow for you guys. Uh, but Carl, every week we like to check in and do a little sick check because our kids are always getting us sick. Uh, let's go around Robin real quick. Uh, is everybody sick? I'm good. And then we'll go Ben, Andrew, and Carl. Thank we've had some coughs, but nothing bad. Uh, it's we're, we're good. We're good. Ben, uh, I think we're good right now. Um, <laughs> I, so I think. we we just we yeah I we like, we just went apple picking. We kind of been out all weekend, and so my son woke up from his nap this afternoon and was just sounded a little stuffy little you know little kind of cough so i don't know if it's just from being outside for the last two days or if there's something else going on but you know i guess we'll see in next week's episode if i come back and (laughs) and we are all sick because uh (laughs) we're also supposed to go on our anniversary trip this coming weekend so um, you know would be an opportune time to have sick kids it was funny brought that in the way you brought that in just made me go. It's like I just got off a plague ship. Like, I think we're good. <laughs> I just stepped off the rat infested smallpox ship, but I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. We'll see no, how no, he wakes up in the morning. Basically. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, how do you build immune system in kids? Throw them in a giant pool. Let them all sneeze on each other. Right. We're good. No sickness. Good stuff. None. Carl, Safe. Awesome. how you doing? <laughs> Well, tonight, so I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. My son is younger. And uh, just tonight, my daughter was like, my throat kind of hurts. I'm like, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, they've been in school for a few weeks now. And and there was this little round of COVID that went through. And everybody was pretty much fine from that. But then I was like, oh, come on, really? So we gave her a little bit of Tylenol, and she's bouncing off the walls. So 
I don't know. I don't know, man. Tomorrow is just going to be a whole new day. We'll see. You, you never can tell. She might wake up totally fine. I don't know. These kids' immune systems are just ridiculous. Uh, dude, it's unbelievable. But I mean, fair enough. It, well, good luck. Hopefully, this week doesn't. Uh, it's always the worst place to be when you're just like, are you? Aren't you? Like, can I send you? Can I not? Uh, do we keep you home? It's always just like that uh, never ending right. cycle. But it freaking is what it is. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, hey, that's our round robin for the sick check. There you go, guys. Um, Hey, Ben, let me kick it off to you right now. And uh, this is a a little a little change of gears here. We're going to have Ben kick off the segment and kind of lead our discussion with Carl here. Yeah, so uh, Carl, you know, as we were talking pre-show a little bit in the lobby, uh, super excited to have you on the show. Um, I've been, you know, following your content for a long time. I think we've had a lot of discussions via Instagram just about um, kind of anything and everything, right? Um, you know, I think some of what we've connected around is like, you know, while I don't work a blue-collar job, I grew up in a very blue-collar family. So my entire family is loggers, truck drivers, um, you know, guys that that work with their hands, um, that that are really into... I guess I hate to say into the workwear scene because, you know, they were actually using workwear to work. Um, but in, in my life, I kind of stumbled across some of that stuff because it was a part of my upbringing, uh, you know, red wing boots and Carhartt jackets and all of that stuff. So it's always something that's been interesting to me, which is, you know, kind of how I found your content and your channel and really appreciated what you were bringing to the table. Now, outside of that, though, is as I followed your content, I realized that the biggest part of kind of what was, I think, always in the background of of what you were talking about were your kids, right? I think they got featured in, you know, a couple of posts. I think there's a truck that you rebuilt that, you know, you're you're taking your son back and forth to the, you know, go to the coffee shop and get some hot chocolate. And so I think it's uh, an opportunity for us to have a conversation not only about how can we as dads buy better, buy things that maybe will last long enough for our sons, our daughters, our kids to enjoy or pass on, but also how that mindset influences how we raise our kids, right? So when we're trying to raise resilient kids, we're trying to raise them with a good work ethic. Um, and I think we can miss a lot of that. Um, and And part of that sort of blue collar upbringing, I think, brings a lot of that to the forefront, right? How do we teach our kids the value of a dollar, the value of, of hard work? Um, and so I do want to start first with that kind of gear piece, right? So I think there's a lot of dads that listen to the channel that, that listen to us primarily to get recommendations on kids gear, right? What stroller should I buy? What, um, you know, what monitor out there is going to work best for us, but they also want to make sure that they're getting the best value for what they purchase and put on themselves, right? Because I think I think his dad's like, we want to feel good. We want to put something on that we feel good about that even if we spent money on, we know it's going to last a long time. So let's kind of start from the top, right? So let's look at like clothing. So what recommendations would you have for like a dad who's, you know, maybe they're kind of coming into their kids are a little bit older or they're looking to spend a little bit of money on their clothing. They want things that are going to last. Um, kind of where would you start? What's the mindset around that um, in terms of, you know, I don't want to buy something cheap. I'm going to have to throw away. Uh, I want to have something that I can buy once, wear it till it falls apart, uh, and then you're not ever have to buy it again. Mm, it's tough, man, because, you know, there are some fundamentals that you can use across the board for almost all clothing, whether it's boots, jackets, or whatever. Um, and it's kind of the same idea, whether you say, measure twice, cut once, or whether you say, you know, check out your cost per wear. It's really all about being able to um, to do something right, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, it is cheaper and it's much easier to go to Walmart and just pick something up. Um, or I could actually take a second and do a little bit of research and get something that's going to be not only uh, longer lasting, but it's going to give me a much easier time when I'm using it. It'll perform better. So. Sometimes the rules of the road, I believe, are natural materials over synthetic materials, typically. Mm. Uh, so we're talking about, you know, the more leather components there are in your boot, uh, 
typically the better it's going to be. And there are exceptions to the rule. You know, if you want something that's actually going to be uh, weatherproof, waterproof, then you might want something like a Gore-Tex sock. So, you know, outliers aside, it's usually natural materials, um, you know, 100% cotton, 100% wool, stuff like that. And those are going to get you in the ballpark. They also kind of tell you, you can start to make assessments based on price. So you can see if something is 100% wool and you can know that that's going to carry a certain cost component because the material is just mm -hmm. cheaper or, or more expensive. And so um, what comes along with that is usually a product that's going to last a while. And I was telling you about my father's uh, Mackinac Cruiser, which is made by a company called Filson. And uh, mm -hmm. it's 100% wool. They've been making these things for almost 100 years. They weigh like six pounds and they're this kind of like, like an itchy, scratchy army blanket type of jacket, but they'll mm -hmm. last forever, you know? And that's the thing, like mine still looks like it's brand new. So, you know, I mean, he had it and I remember him carrying an arm loans of wood in it and it still looks great. Now I have it and I haven't put a dent in this thing like at all. I'm not sure I ever mm. could. And I mean, someday I'll pass it on to my son. So things like that, when you consider, okay, yeah, this thing costs 500 bucks or whatever. Yeah, but I've gotten three lifetimes out of it. Then it's mm -hmm. like your cost per wear is actually a lot less. Yeah. And I think that's a really important concept is the idea of like cost per wear, especially when you're thinking about, you know, whether or cost, even cost per use, right? So things you're going to be using every day or every season, or, you know, even during the season you're going to use every day. Like for example, you know, Carl, you're up in Connecticut, the Mackinac Cruiser or something that, you know, could be used for an entire winter season for, for decades and decades and decades. And obviously has been, um, you know, even on your side, Andrew, you know, when you think about some of the higher end, you know, strollers, components, stuff that, that, that we're recommending to people that we're saying, hey, look, the build quality is better. Right. I mean, even though it's a an $1,100 piece of equipment, yeah, that might seem super expensive. But if I'm using this thing every single day, it's keeping my kids safe. It's easier to use. So typically, you know, when you spend a little bit more money, it's it's better designed. The components work better. They're going to last longer. The warranty is typically a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. That's where you start getting into this idea of, yes, your upfront cost is X and it sucks. Like it, it definitely puts a dent in the wallet, but I don't have to replace it. Like, you know, for, for us, you know, one of the brands that we always recommend, like Up A Baby, they're always, they build just, tanks for strollers we've had ours through two kids we've dropped a bunch of accessories on it it's been banged around in the the bed of my pickup truck for the last three years and i mean if i took it out and just wiped it down it looks brand new um, and it's the same idea right that we're getting into is you buy quality once and you don't necessarily have to replace it regularly whether it's clothing or whether it's stuff you're buying for your kids um, and I, I will say, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't mean No, go ahead. Uh, so I will say like every time I've made some sort of review on the channel, I, undoubtedly there's always going to be some sort of like, uh, let's, let's take for example, the upper baby Vista, right? <clears throat> like if I were to make a review on that, uh, and I'll t have a positive spin on it, I'm either going to get one of two reactions. It's either going to be oh, that's way too much money. I would never have done that. That's so that's, you know, why would you do that? Or it's like, you get what you pay for you idiots and, and all that stuff. Um, and uh, based off of the conversation that we're having, <laughs> and, and you can never win, there's always like some sort of a fight. Like, why would I pay $1,000 for a stroller? What's wrong with you people? And I, I've gotten emails just kind of like, you can't consciously keep recommending that to parents. We can't, you know, I just, you get triggered. Uh, so, uh, but <laughs> on the, it, I don't know. So, but based off the conversation that we're having, I feel like, you know, we're in, you know, when it comes to, you know, gear and clothing and, and, and different things outside of children, it's one thing. But when it came to like you and your kids, did you kind of come in with come into it with the same kind of mentality when I'm buying, um, you know, bottles or strollers or cribs, you know, what have you, did you kind of have that same mentality where it's kind of like, no, I, I, I spend up for quality because we, for longevity, we're going to use this through multiple kids. Like what was your approach to that? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Mm. It was a, a bit of a mix. I tell you, it was weird because yeah, my, my gut reaction, especially with what I do is like buy the best you can for everything. But then again, the seasons of children are so brief that 
sometimes mm-hmm. you have a chance to use it and then it's like what am i going to do with this thousand so for some things like um, <laughs> the crib that turns into a bed yeah. right so like you know it separates right. another headboard right. yeah. and a toe board right now that's my son's bed right so in a case like that it meant to it was good to spend a little bit more money um and then actually i had an interesting when you were talking ben i was i was talking i was thinking about this was we bought two of those tow behind things that go behind your bicycle, you know, and they're like little, oh, yeah. little trailers. Uh, we yeah, bought Bombay. one from yep. a company. Is, that, that's okay. Um, so we bought one from a company called Chariot, and then we bought another one from a Thule, right? So it was like, Thule. you know, my yep. wife would take one and I would take the other. And I got to tell you, man, like definitely one stood out above the other. And it was like, mm-hmm. I, now from the outset, if I just looked at these things, we order them online or whatever. And um, I, I couldn't uh-huh. tell the difference, but was it Thule? Over the long term, no, actually, the, the chariot held up better. The chariot, far better. Ah, which one? Which? Yeah. What was the, the yeah. pricing on on the two? Do you remember? I I really don't. I would I wouldn't know. Now I did <laughs> look into it, and actually, it <laughs> yeah. turns out the chariot was a was a company that was independently owned and then bought by someone, and supposedly nah. their uh, I guess their their. You know, the quality may have changed. Their their warranty used to be amazing. Mm. They would give you price uh, match. I mean, it's just, it was supposed to be awesome. I guess it kind of went downhill. But, um, you know, but then other things like clothes, man. I mean, boy, it seems like they wear these things twice and then they grow out of them. And with a boy and a yeah. girl, they each have to have their separate clothes. So, yeah, yeah it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I think it's just a mix yeah. of the two. Yeah, that's definitely a challenge when it comes to clothes. We actually just, we just got done today. Um, shopping for both of our kids because both of them decided to have gigantic growth spurts at the same time. <laughs> so our seven month old daughter has outgrown everything that we own. Um, and then our three year old son grew two inches in a month. Um, wow. so all of his pants are, are way too short. So everything he has on is, I mean, it's all high waters and his t-shirts are too short and, you know, but he's at that age where he's skinny and he's getting tall. So all the waists are too big, but the pants are too short. So, I mean, we did the same thing, but you know, we, I think there's, there's that idea of, you know, spend the money where you can and where it makes sense on the things that you know, you're going to reuse. So like Mm -hmm. our kids clothes will either, you know, look for, um, you know, stuff at Target, Kohl's, Old Navy, stuff that I know they're going to wear through it. They're going to outgrow it. They're going to tear it, stain it, whatever. It's going to be destroyed before it's ever, um, you know, gotten to a point where it's it's really even hit its like useful life. Um, but I think, you know, as they get older, I think that's where that's going to start to change, right? When they get to a point where they're not growing anymore, then do we start looking at, you know, better quality materials, better quality clothing? Um, you know, and I think for, for dads, you know, again, we want something, we we might grow a little bit more around the middle, but like, we're not getting any taller, right? Like I'm not going to outgrow my jacket at this point. So I want to spend that money on something I know that's going to last. I know a brand that sort of, you know, stands behind their product as well, because I feel like I also want the, the security of knowing that that thing if something should go wrong with it, that I'm going to be able to reach out to them and say, Hey, this isn't performing up to the expectations that I had for, you know, for the brand. So like Patagonia, for example, like all their jackets, they have the, I think it's called their ironclad guarantee where it's like, when I buy it, I know that that thing, unless I really do something to it, like throw it through a wood chipper, like I'm probably (laughs) going to be covered and even though that vest is, you know, $150 and it's more than the one I could get at Walmart, I don't have to buy six of them over my lifetime because I know that that is something that's going to be covered if something goes wrong with it. Um, right. So that's something else I want to talk a little bit about is, you know, when you're looking at brands, a lot of us, I think, are looking at like good warranties, like brands and companies that really stand behind their product. So what ones have you had experience with? Like if I'm a dad, I'm going to spend a little bit more money on, let's say, a jacket. Um, Who's going to really stand behind that product so that I know it's kind of, I got a bit of a safety net if something goes wrong. Yeah. I mean, some of the bigger companies like you mentioned, LLB and Patagon, are known for their their return policy and being able to really bend over backwards for you. I have found more often than that, though, that... um, the smaller the company is, the more likely you'll be able to reach out to somebody who can actually do something for you and is mm-hmm. willing to. So sometimes, you know, 
it's like throwing a snowball into a volcano when you try to send an email into the, the company and say that there's a problem with something. But um, if you're going to yeah. purchase through a company like uh, Bradley Mountain, uh, where it's just a few people or maybe Ship John or something like that, where, you know, it's like you mm-hmm. could name everybody in that shop. Um, when you, if you ever have to go back to them and you say, Hey, you know, this snap isn't working, this button fell off or whatever it is, they'll make sure that they, they take care of it. And some companies have that as an overall policy, but I found that the larger they get, the more they tend to just say, okay, but you're one in a thousand. So I don't really have Mm. to listen to you. (laughs) Whereas to the smaller guys, it, it goes a lot further, you know, and I also see it as, um, you know, setting the example for the kids because, they see what you do. And, you know, I was talking to my wife about this. I'm like, what is in that Target box that arrives every single day? I don't know. There's stuff from Kohl's or stuff from Target. <laughs> and, like, if they see this this constant flow of material possessions, they're going to think that that's the norm. And I mm-hmm. want it to be the opposite. I want it to be, no, I have this thing. I take care of it. And I, that's why I have it for this long. Just like you do for your car, for your house. For your relationships, mm. and I mean, like they notice everything we do, and we'll we'll come to their own conclusions if you don't sort of explain it to them. They'll fill in the pieces. Okay, so this is what we do: when something breaks, we throw it away and we get a new one. And that's just kind of become the part of the culture now. Where I think that you know, with the right to repair act and people paying a little bit more attention, especially now as the economy gets worse, of you know, I got to buy this thing and it's got to last. Um, that, mm-hmm. you know, that's never really going to go out of style. It may be old fashioned, but I don't think it'll be out of style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have I mean, noticed that with our, with our son too, just even at three, right? Like teaching him that lesson of, and, and again, my son's growing up very differently than I did. Um, you know, he's, he's in the suburbs. He's got access to a lot of stuff. Like we are, my wife and I are much better off than, I was as a kid and as my, you know, my grandparents were right, which is good. I think that upward mobility is great. I think being able to live, have a higher standard of living as you kind of move through the, the different generations is fantastic. But I've noticed even at three, you know, there are times where he, you know, something breaks or he'll be playing really rough with something. And there's kind of this prevailing idea of like, all right, buddy, be careful with that. So, you know, if you break it, we're not getting another one. And he he's actually looked at me and said, well, no, if we break it, we just get another one. Like, that's just you just buy another one. Like, right. Like money. Like he doesn't understand the concept of money yet. He's three. Like he knows I put a card in a machine and they give me stuff. Um, (laughs) And so it's it's now I'm like kind of struggling with that idea of like, okay, now how do we start to turn this of like. We shouldn't be just breaking things because we know we can get another one. We should be taking care of the things that we own. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll throw it over to the the Andrews guys. Like, have you? I know uh, Andrew too. Like, you have kids that are a little bit older. Um, you know, with Henry and Colin, have you experienced that as well? Where like, you know, they play a little too rough with something, and you're kind of like, hey, be careful with that. And they're like, no, 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 we just get another one. Like, how do you try to combat that? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, for the most part, I think that we overall, I feel like when it comes to just like stuff, like toys, all that stuff, I've really tried to take a much more minimalistic approach to it. Um, I've tried, uh, because the one thing that I like have been hyper conscious of is that when we're adding different things to, to their whole playset or whatever, for me, I hate piece like just like small pieces, just like everywhere and scattered. It just like creates mess. It just like it, I hate it. I can't stand it. Right. <laughs> uh, but then on top of that, like another yep. another just like thing that I look for is just like uh, s- simple, like kind of natural materials, like whether that's wood with like building like uh, we have like these like wood building blocks, all that stuff. Um, so like bef- before, like things get to the kids hands in general i'm trying to curate it so that one it has a purpose right like that it's not just like a toy meant for like i mean of course we've got like random you know like spider-man action figures or whatever as the kids have gotten older right uh but especially from a younger 
I wanted the toys to have like a purpose, right? To, uh, with a goal of like, it teaches them this, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether that it, it's got some sort of a function. So whatever happened with it, right? Whether they were rough with it or whatever, it had a purpose. Uh, and then uh, it was also something that wouldn't overwhelm them, right? Something with like too many lights, too many pieces, whatever, things just scattered. It like doesn't accomplish mm-hmm. anything. So before we even purchased, like now, especially with our with our latest um i've been just much more conscious about like what gets into their hands before that mm-hmm. uh making sure that it kind of meets my own checklist and all that uh i wait i don't even remember the, the beginning yeah. question because then i just went into my own no, mentality no, I, I'm like this is what i no. think <laughs> right and it was so, no, I, I'm so I sorry, was, man. I, I just, that was uh, just like I'm just telling. I just <laughs> wow. No, I think, it was, I think it was good. We were we were getting into the you know the mentality of you know not not creating this environment where there's and I think there's something to be said for that, right? Like you add too much stuff to the environment, and eventually right. what you get is a devaluing of all the things in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much stuff. Well, if yes. I break this toy, I have this toy. If I break this toy i have this toy um right so saunders you you've got <laughs> relatively i mean you have young i think the youngest yeah five months is, and 18 months yeah so yeah. are you starting to run into i mean you may not be but i guess when you're looking at making decisions for what you bring into your home um how are you guys looking at that i mean a lot of what we do is stuff we're picking out for educational purposes at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Like the most recent plethora of toys were all pre-K to K educational flashcards count to a hundred. There was an office max closing near me. So we literally got 40% (laughs) off like all the preschool stuff. Um, So we bought a bunch of those things, right? But they immediately went into a box for like, okay, we're going to pull these out. We're going to do flashcards one week or whatever, right? And I think mm-hmm. for us, we have a ton of the wooden Montessori toys. And it's very, I am trying to instill into the 18-month-old that, no, when you're done with it, you pick it up and put it away. And we mm-hmm. have only lost two two items from all of these wooden Montessori toys to actual, like, loss. And we're moving. So we moved the couch and I found the pieces we lost because they just got shot under the couch by a kid or a dog or a who knows what. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've managed to keep them all assembled because she's learning. Put it away. Right. Take care mm-hmm. of it. Do maintenance. And I think that's one of the things that we kind of didn't talk about is when you buy a five hundred dollar jacket, mm-hmm. there is a dry cleaning bill that occasionally goes with the five hundred dollar jacket because you spilled mm-hmm. a milkshake on it, right? <laughs> or or you got it was out in the weather too long, right? Or like for me, I I've worn the same pair of red wing boots for four years now, but they get a mm-hmm. they're gonna go under the second pair of soles. And they get a, at least once a month, they get a nice shoe shine with moisturizing, right? There's a maintenance cost that is lower than the replacement cost. And that's the piece that I'm trying to instill in my girls because like she watches me in the kitchen and she's, she'll already do this. She'll take up a butter knife and she'll wipe it because every time she sees me use one of my kitchen knives, they don't just sit there. They get a good, they get a good wipe, right? Mm -hmm. So there's no crusty marinara sauce sitting on my nice stainless steel knife for four hours right um so it's that's the piece that i think we're trying to focus on is buy nice things and maintain them whereas you know my wife's shoe collection is more like every 59.99 pair of pumps that ever was made in black Uh, (laughs) (laughs) right and and i don't think any of them's ever seen a pair of shoe polish right they just (laughs) oh those are cute and they get worn and then they're in the pile for a while so women's clothing is so much different too you know like my wife and i always talk (laughs) about that she's like i wish that stuff existed for us that exists for men and some there's some crossover there and some of the brands are starting to do that. But when it comes to the kids toys, I got to tell you, man, it's like, even when we try to be really careful, like even with Christmas and stuff, we'll say, okay, well, we're going to get this, this, and this, we're not going to go nuts uh, for a couple of reasons. And one of them was, I remember when my parents got divorced, my father owned a print shop. And um, so when this is like, when I was, I don't know, I think they got divorced when I was 13. 
the first Christmas after they got divorced was so different than the ones before it. And I remember thinking like, did we get robbed? You know, like what happened? There's not, there's not as much stuff here, but, um, you know, that was a, that was a, that was a stark reality. It was like, Oh geez, I guess things will never be the same. So I was always like, look, not in, not in preparation for splitting up or anything, but let's make sure that they have things and that there are things that they're going to like, and, and they're not going to forget about the first thing they open by the time they get to the last. But even right. if you mm-hmm. try to do that, it doesn't really matter because the in-laws are getting them stuff. My parents are getting mm-hmm. them stuff. They're, you know, the cousins and all that. By the time the holiday or our birthday is over, they have so much loot that it doesn't matter if we got them nothing at all. <laughs> so it's just like right. you can try to do the right thing, but the people that they're surrounded by have such an impact. Yeah, my my buddy's got five kids, and he his youngest is eight. They've started going with the you five have to decide as a group what you want for Christmas. And the last oh, three wow. years running, they have all picked trips. So they went oh, to wow. Disneyland one year. They went to I want to say Upper Montana one summer for their trip. Like the kids finally figured out that. And more PlayStation or more Switch games weren't what they wanted, right? That was a, that was a margin. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. figured out that they would rather have dad take them somewhere and mm-hmm. go. And this was post-divorce, right? Once dad was in control of what he gave them, nope, pick what you want. You can either have this much gifts or you can go somewhere. Oh, we, let's go somewhere. And every year, like clockwork. Yeah, That's where are we going? Great lesson. They don't. They yeah. don't take the trip until spring break or over the summer, right? Like, so they get basically nothing for Christmas from their dad, but in March they're going to wherever, right? And it was a really good trick, I guess you could say, parenting trick, because he just got to save up at that point. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah anyway. but, I mean, that's, that's usually a lesson that people only learn later in life. It's great to be able right. to do that earlier. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. So I didn't have this planned initially in the show, Doc. But if you don't mind, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and ask Carl a question uh, about work-life balance. Uh, ben, did you want to touch on anything else before we kind of uh, shift gears to the next segment here? No, no. Take it away. All right. Well, Carl. So you, I mean, you you work by day. Uh, I believe as an electrician, right? Uh, cool. And then, mm-hmm. um, then. You know, you, you got to make time to to create content for your respective social channels. And I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm in that same boat as you. Like, I get it. We kind of like live and die by the content calendar because if you know, if you don't upload on a regular schedule, it's you know, it's we die. You know, but it's it's a very tough thing to balance. You've got work, you've got your other side hustle, uh, which is an important thing to maintain. But then you also have to balance like actually being a dad. And I'm just kind of curious, like, if you don't mind, can you like take me through your schedule? Like what, how, how do you, are you able to balance that? Do you have help? What is, you know, what is that like as a, as a, as a dad working multiple, um, you know, multiple fronts? Yeah, it's been hard to uh, figure out and I've certainly stumbled and figured out things the hard way. But I have a pretty good balance now, and it, it, it's more or less something like this. I usually get up around 4 or 4.30, and I'll get some editing in. Um, it's nice and quiet. I don't, you know, have to be bothered by anything. What time do you go um, to bed? Then I'll usually, you know, uh, 9.30, something like that maybe. Okay. Okay. So I'm you're certainly we're, we're much keeping more you past your bedtime. Person. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Um, yeah, so I'll edit for a little while in the morning. And usually just, you know, over the, the period of five days, I'm able to, to finish a video. Um, then I'll head off to work, come back from work. Um, I usually, you know, hit the gym for about half an hour, 45 minutes. And then it's family time after that. And it's like, it's really become prioritizing time with them first. Uh, and also, you know, we have a, a farmhouse from the 1880s. So the weekends are the trickiest part. My wife and I will usually, um, you know, I'll say to her, like, okay, what's your plan for this weekend? And then we'll coordinate. And I'll say, okay, when are you going to Costco? Because that's when I'm going to film. And, you know, she'll take the kids. She'll go to Costco. She'll come back with, you know, I got to get the forklift. And then it's just like I have my stuff filmed and ready to edit the re- the rest of the week. And um, that yeah. that is like the <laughs> – 
that's the unicycle ride I've been on for a while now. And it's like mm. one little thing can derail it so easily. But for right now, it tends to work. And I have, uh, especially this last year, just accepted the fact that if a video isn't done, it's not done. Because there are other things that are, mm, are much right. more important. So if it's an, a beautiful Saturday morning and uh, my daughter loves to go with me on bike rides down to this little breakfast place. It's like seven miles away. It's a perfect distance for us. Um, and it means I got to miss out on finishing up the B-roll for that, that week or whatever. Then that's, that's what it is. Uh, because she's only going to be that age once. And I don't want to be that guy. Like I said, my mm -hmm. father was a, he owned a print shop. And so he was gone all the time. And that's not a mistake that I'm going to make. So if it comes chance to yeah. do something with either of them, that's what I'm going to do. And you know, the videos just got to wait. Man, I, I appreciate you walking me through that because I think, uh, that's just been, it's probably one, one of the most common kind of questions or topics, um, that a lot of guys will ask just like, you know, after kids, just like that work-life balance, um, you know, how, do, how do I find time for fitness and all that stuff? And I mean, just like, it's not easy. I mean, you just said it yourself, like you, you laid it out. It's like, it's, it's bumpy. It's bumpy, especially as content creators. Like a lot of people are just intrigued with that aspect of it. It's not easy, man. But, sure. um, yeah, I, I appreciate you um, walking, walking it through because it's, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a unique challenge uh, for guys who, you know, who step into fatherhood and they're just like, man, I, what do we do? What do we do? It's, it's definitely, a, but you adjust, you mm -hmm. adjust. It's just kind of part of it, you know? So, uh, but anyway, that's just it. Uh, it's amazing thank you for letting, you know, I'm sorry. It's amazing how reasonable you could be and how oh, no. much you can adapt. It's, it's amazing. Exactly. Not for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I again, yep. I didn't mean to go rogue, but I was just very intrigued with that because I know we we kind of run in the <laughs> no, same. It's all good, dude. That's why we're, we're in the same space there, <laughs> no. so I appreciate it. But it's your show. You're allowed to go rogue if you <laughs> no. want to. We're no, just gonna make I, notes I like, about it when it happens. No, I really do like <laughs> talking to creators, man. It's it's a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like talking to creators, man. It's hard. It's hard. It's uh, there's a lot of work behind the scenes to create the content that that you know that people like to enjoy for free uh you know mm -hmm. um there's just so much work and dedication and if you go into curls like there's a lot of production quality and and like knowledge that he puts into it that you don't realize right that took a lot of years and experience amid raising kids and having a family and doing his job like it's it's something that a lot of people don't really appreciate and it's extremely hard to uh to accomplish that um it, just the journey to like try to balance it all um to make all that happen it's man it's a, it's a tough tough grind and i think a lot of people don't get enough credit for it so um yeah, man there's I, no doubt you've it's been doing also great. really it's difficult too because often when you're a creator other people don't know the struggles that you go through so what's really yeah, helped man. me is mm -hmm. knowing other creators and being able to talk to them about problems because like you know my wife will listen my friends will listen and they'll give their input, but they don't really but know don't what it's know. like, you know, and it's like, until you can find other people in yeah. the space, it's really, uh, it could be a pretty lonely place. That's for sure. It's like floating on an iceberg somewhere mm -hmm. and you just hope that the, the current's taking you in the right direction. I, I, I trust, I get it, man. I get it. I feel like we could, uh, we could have you back to, to open that up on that a lot more because like, yeah, people like when they see the creator and we're on, starting on, a new podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast for creators about creators and their woes Creator, yeah dude there there are those exist and it's really fascinating it's it's uh, you know the how, how the sausage is made it's tough but anyway uh let, let's let's move on to the next to the next uh segment here I, i'll kick it over to ben to introduce uh kind of next the uh, last thing that we'll be talking about about building resilient kids here yeah so i think this is actually like a perfect segue right so we we talk through kind of your, your daily work schedule, right, Carl, where like, you know, you're balancing raising kids, you're balancing a full-time job. Um, so, you know, not obviously not on your scale of production, but like I work a nine to five and I create content and I have two kids and I have a wife I'm trying to maintain a relationship with, you know, I, I think one of the things we all want for our kids is raising them to be resilient, right. To be able to adapt to challenges, to be able to be, um, you know, flexible and successful in a world that will challenge them in ways that, that we can't foresee and that we probably don't understand with our life experience, right? They're going to experience things that we probably never even thought of. But 
our job as fathers and as parents is to equip them with the tools, with the emotional intelligence, with the resilience, the adaptability to face and overcome those challenges, whether it's something in school, something in life, whatever it is. And so, you know, I think what we're talking about, especially right now is, is work ethic, right? Kind of cultivating work ethic and resilience in your kids. And so when you think about, you know, the discussions you're having with your son and your daughter, whether it's, you know, managing their emotions, working hard, caring for the things that, that are in their life, uh, caring for the things that they own. Um, what are some of the kind of common threads or lessons that you're trying to teach in those moments um, that are helping them become, you know, more flexible, adaptable kids? It's tough to, well, for, for many reasons. I mean, number one, having a boy and girl, they both approach things completely differently. And I'm not sure if that's just innate. I'm sure that some of it's part of their, their personalities and stuff. So it's a tailored approach for both of them. But one of the things that I kind of go back to for them, and and not only so this is gonna be kind of a family story, but uh, it applies to everybody. Is uh, so my grandfather on my father's side, he's uh, just turned ninety seven. This is a guy who lived in in Poland and got taken away to the concentration camp. Um, never saw his mother, his father, his brother again. Went over, worked in the coal mines in Belgium where he met my grandmother. They came over here. Uh, and had three boys. He worked at night as a janitor at McDonald's and then during the day at a machine shop. And he's still around and we go over and visit him. And my my kind of thing that I always sort of try to tell them on their level is you're made from very tough stuff. Hopefully you'll never have to see that level mm. of hardship, but it's in you if you need to tap mm. into it. This is a guy mm. who has been tempered by all these experiences. And the the worst thing that ever happened to you is, you know, your your brother took your toy or, you know, now it's like my daughter's in second grade. So, you know, she's starting to run to like the mean girls and stuff that mm. it, that thing is the worst thing that ever happened to you. So that's why you're reacting to it so strongly. Um, mm. But I try to make I try to maintain perspective with them. And I always, you know, again, like I said, speak to them on their level about their grandfather and what he's been through and. You know, I could almost imagine, like, in the future, them being like, remember we used to tell us those boring stories in the car on the way back from <laughs> visiting grandpa? Like, why did you do that? I hated that. But my point is trying to explain to them that we are living at a time right now of plenty of safety, but within our roots, going back however long humans have been on this, this planet, we are made of incredibly tough stuff, which, if you have to ever kind of get back into is there it, it's like a well you know what i mean it's this spring that if uh like, let's hope we never have to but um that's that's one of the big things that i try to i try to instill in them is that like the raw materials are there and and we have to hone them but um it's almost like i have a lot of things planned too where you know i remember i had a great drum instructor when i was uh growing up and he was he was great with the euphemisms and quotes and stuff like that and you know, he always tell me you know when i'd be trying to play a paradiddle and it wouldn't come out right he's like no a stone is never polished without friction this sucks for a reason you have to go through it to come out on the other side and you're gonna be fine <laughs> you know and it was like that kind of stuff that that still comes mm -hmm. to my mind when i think about you know like whether it's creating content right this is the harder thing to do but it's the um it's the right thing to do taking pride in your craft, trying to learn it to your, the best of your ability, taking your time. Do you know what I mean? All of these things, I feel like there's so much overlap that it's not just, it wasn't just a lesson about drums. It's not just a visit to your grandfather's. There's a little bit of something you can take with you there. So yeah, I mean, the long winded uh, end of this answer is more or less it's, it's ever evolving and it's different for both of them. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know though. Work ethic is a tough one because I know a lot yeah, of smart that... people who have a damn terrible work ethic. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's so interesting that you talked about your family history and, and reminding your kids on like, you know, based off of, you know, actual experience from your family. I find that really cool. And, um, as, as my oldest, as, because my oldest is six, as they get older, I feel like they're able to really like, um, understand that a little bit more 
and then they can, you know, like model behaviors off of what I'm saying a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was when they were younger. That's when it just like, was just so much tougher. I'm just like, Oh, what? Mm. Like just getting through to them in general is just such a difficult freaking thing. Um, so, yeah. so I'm curious for you other two, you know, like what are your guys' takes on that? Hmm. Uh, I'm, it's so open-ended. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. Just, no, no, it's, it's tough. tough. It's tough. <laughs> I was just waiting for Ben. I have an answer. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's Pull something it's out tough, of the I ether, think. guys. <laughs> no. I mean, so I think, you know, I think one of the things we talk about on this podcast a lot is like the idea that as as dads, our goal is to raise a better generation than we are, right? Raise more intelligent, more emotionally uh, adaptable kids, more flexible kids, um, but that have an understanding of their their roots and what that means. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, one of the things that that we work on is like trying to give my my son, especially because he has he just feels a lot like he feels like very intense emotions at three and giving him the right tools to be able to deal with those so that he doesn't he knows how to relate to them and not allow them to control him versus him seeing them relating to them, being able to work through them on his own. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's going to be a challenge for him for the rest of his life. I think he's, he's just a very emotional kid. He feels things very deeply. And I think equipping him with the tools now that maybe either I didn't have growing up, um, but that I can learn as an adult and, and pass on to him, I think is going to be invaluable to him. And then the other piece of like, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, he, he's, he, lives in a world where things are easily replaceable. And so working through teaching him the value of the things that he owns um, or the mm. things that he's purchased or decided that he wants, I think is is going to be a challenge. And, and a lot of that is going to be showing it by example, right? Having less, having things that I do truly enjoy and that I take care of and allowing him to see that in action, right? Like, like cleaning and when I wear boots in the, in the kind of winter time or in the the fall season, you know, those boots get cleaned and taken care of like at least once every couple of weeks are going to get cleaned and moisturized and kind of, you know, get the dust and dirt off of them. Um, and I need, I want him to be a part of that. So he sees if I take care of something, it will last a long time. It deserves mm-hmm. to be taken care of. It deserves to be respected. Therefore it will take care of me. Right. Um, and hopefully that will bleed over into other things in his life as he gets older. Yeah. I, earlier you asked me, and I, I, I feel like I'm finally circling back to it about um, just uh, kids and things. And, and, you know, when they start kind of banging things up and uh, I, when I started getting into, I, I think I finally started to understand like where I was trying to go with it because of my mentality of trying to go with less. I think, <clears throat> It, it what it comes down to is I just want them to value the right things, right? Or, or or take proper care of things because when they're overwhelmed with stuff and they just have a plethora of everything, it's just like, you know, if I break something, I could just buy another one because dad already bought me all this stuff, you know. But when you're able to focus on something that's, you know, you know, higher in quality, something that's just more personal, something that you can take more care of, right? Uh, and there's less, right? I think it it ultimately builds a little bit more character and a little bit more appreciation for the things that you do have, as opposed to inundating them, flooding them with a bunch of low quality things, focusing on fewer high quality things is kind of my newer approach. And that's not Mm -hmm. something that I I do well that we did with our other two young, it wasn't until like our third that I really tried to like put this out there. Um, and you know, I, I think that kind of harkens back to what we even opened up with when we were talking with Carl, just about just like, you know, like things for us, boots, uh, just, uh, any sort of wear, you know, just focusing on quality materials. And in a way you do have a greater appreciation for it. And I think that kind of can trace down to kids and things as well. Um, uh, which mm-hmm. I kind of long circle back to where I was going earlier, but that was kind of my general take for it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know what? There's a couple of things that I think really relate also uh, back to the same idea. Number one is tools. 
Um, you know, I think we all probably had some people in our family who had tools that get passed down. And, you know, you're like, oh, man, this thing is, you know, it's, it's bomb proof. It, it's going to last me and then several other generations. You know, I, I had a uh, my grandfather was a, a carpenter and, you know, I got a whole bunch of his tools. And, and so, like, that's a perfect time to show the difference because it's very clear between cheap and expensive. And look, if I take care of this expensive thing, look how this is from your grandfather or whatever. That's a very good example of how to do that. And one other was um, I my father played uh, guitar and bass and he had a couple of fenders. He had a fender Telecaster and a jazz bass. And I remember he would keep those in their cases in this front room where he would practice. And he was always very meticulous about putting those things away. He kept very good care of them. And as a kid, I remember sneaking in there and like strumming the strings and like closing the lid and like putting it back. It was like the perfect crime, right? You know, and, uh, you know, but he he had those (laughs) things forever. And it's like that because he took care of them. So I think that in a way they have to be ready for it. Our kids, they have to be ready to understand this concept. And it's going to come when it's something that they really care about. You know, toys, toys are toys, you know, I mean, they're cool and everything, but nobody's going to really flip out too much if it's gone the next day. When they start to get old enough to really like something, whether it's a hobby or, or you know, whatever, pastime or just some sort of interest, and you could give them something, whether it's an instrument or a tool or, or whatever, to do that thing. And you say, here's your baseball glove. It's, you know, this is a really good one. Take care of it. You know, make sure you condition it, whatever, and keep it in a dry place. Don't let it get moldy. And they can see that this thing was expensive, and here's the benefit of taking care of it. That's what I'm waiting for. I think it might be a little early to try to instill mm-hmm. that in them, other than just being a good example at this stage. Mm-hmm. Right. But the con- I mean, the concept I mean, it, is there. That's what you're hoping to, you know, one day instill, which I think it's yeah, and, the approach. That's the important part. Sorry, I go, think what you're, what, one of the things you're both kind of dancing around is a lot of that stuff is based on your memory of the person, the events, and not necessarily the physical item, right? You just mm-hmm. watching your grandfather take care mm-hmm. of that Fender guitar is going to make you go, oh, that's how I treat guitars, right? And then if he he played it for you and you have a positive memory of that, you might not have any piece whatsoever of musical talent, right? But you might still have that guitar. You might still take great care of it. And And for me, that's... That's what I think the key is, because if I as I think back, I don't have a plethora of like heirlooms and things f- from what I would call my childhood that I have to have. Right. I have a mm-hmm. lot of stuff that I haven't thrown away. I'm, I'm moving. I have a lot of stuff I haven't thrown away. That's like, <laughs> no, that's nostalgic. Um, but I think it, it, like the thing that came up for me is it goes back to the Trace Atkins song, Just Fishing, Right. He, it, the whole song's about him on a boat in the middle of a lake with his daughter, just drowning worms. But his point in the song is that is a huge memory for her, and she doesn't even know it. It's just the mm-hmm. time and the attention to doing it. It doesn't matter that she's talking about her ballet shoes. It doesn't matter that they're not actually catching anything because she won't sit down in the boat, right? It's it's the time together and the moment that she's going to remember and carry on forever and instill that piece of work ethic or that piece of emotional intelligence we're all after. It's not the rod, the reel, the tackle box, right? Those are the things that trigger the events and the memories. And that's why we hold on to them as humans. But the important thing is actually the, the memory, right? Mm, um, yeah. Cause, cause you'll, you, I mean, and you hear it a lot, right? There's these guys who have lost, everything right you know i got addicted i lost my house i lost all my stuff i sold my grandmother's ring but at the end of the day Mm. when i recovered i still had all those memories and that's what i drew strength from right it wasn't the fact that i got rid of grandma's brooch you know so i think it's important for us to all remember that that like yes we're talking about things buy good things take care of them but make sure you use those things to install good emotional healthy memories, healthy events in your kids' lives, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Matter of fact, um, <laughs> if I could just jump off of what you're saying, because you're absolutely right. It is just stuff. And, you know, we need to uh, clothe ourselves. And, and they're almost a, a tool of sorts, right? Because they perform a function, these things. Right. 
But that's also kind of why I, I have a, I have a little tagline that I say in the beginning of every video, which is to own better, look better, and live better. And my whole point is, if you have to, and I've said this on, on several occasions, if you have to miss out on things, if you have to miss, you know, a trip with your family, um, an experience with your friends, whatever it is, to save up to buy this expensive jacket, it's not worth it. Because you really won't be thinking right. about what you wore at that occasion um, on your deathbed. You won't. I mean, not to be, mm. you know, macabre, but right. it's true. And so you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, it all is just stuff. Um, just, you know, convenient yep. solutions for modern living. I, yeah. I think the I, car I, guys I, put it best, right? It's about the experience of building the car with someone. It's not about what the end product is, right? Because mm. most of those guys end up either dead or selling the car and paying for college or paying for whatever, but dad and kid or dad and grandpa or daughter and grandpa are still happy that they built a whole car, right? Absolutely. They've figured it out. I don't know how they figured it out. The rest of us are over here. Like I do websites. That's not a, yeah. anyway. I, I really do think that that like, it, I mean, there's, I mean, we can define the roles of a father in so many different ways, but, and I think that is really one giant aspect of it. It is the experiential part of the way we engage with our kids that really that's, I mean, that's a large part in leaving a legacy yeah. and building up our, you know, our, our littles is just through experience, not through things, not through I what mean, we bought them, not through, not, not, it's, it is how we engage with them, whether that was at home, at a Yankees game, at, it was, it's how we engage. Um, yep. And, and that's, and, and, and the that's statistics follow it. There's a ton of that's statistics true. around fathers in the home, father engagement, and what that leads for outcomes as adults. And yeah, we all have to acknowledge that whether we like it or not, as fathers present or not present in the day to day lives, we play a major impact in our children's ability to succeed as adults. And I mean, I mean, there you have I, I, the thing I will say, though, is like, you know, on a day to day basis, it's really hard, you know, because it's just like, I'm so damn tired. Yeah. Just leave me the hell to keep I it in the front. Yeah, I yeah, I just like I'm just I gotta poop and I want to sleep. That's it, you know. Like just leave me, you know. So <laughs> Let me watch the Simpsons and leave me alone. Yeah. Right, yeah. So I get it, but you know, uh, just keep try as trying no. as best you can to keep what we've mentioned in our uh, in the back of your head. You know, it's important. It's important uh, that that experiential aspect of of our jobs as dads. Anyway, um, we are coming up on an hour here, so. Uh, do we have any kind of final thoughts before we kind of want to close things out? No, oh, I think this is a great all conversation. Right, yeah, uh, I really appreciate your time, really time Carl, and, and for coming on here. This has been really good. Yeah, I've had a lot of Dude, fun. I uh, think that Carl, what's interesting about this too is like, you know, th this kind of podcast, this kind of idea, I don't think would have worked 20 years ago. You know, like, mm -hmm. now, yeah. I think more than ever, taking being a good father more seriously than they then I mean, it seems like before it was like yeah no, i had a kid that's what you do anyway you know what's uh what's on the tv tonight or whatever but like now we're like seeing a real people who are really taking a an effort like making an effort to be the best father that they possibly can be it's going to make a better generation with time so this is a part of it and this is mm. you know it may seem a little grandiose but it is true i mean like this is going to help people mm -hmm get there and hopefully let them know that they're not alone and the stuff that they're going through isn't the you know they're not just by themselves on an island this is this is uh what we're all doing and it's nice to know that other people are sharing in your struggles and can help you out so mm. something interesting to consider about this is whoever the father figure was in all of our lives prepared us for a job that didn't even exist when we were born content mm. creator vlogger video upload that stuff didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. There wasn't even a, a concept of that as a job when I was born. Right. Yeah. And uh -huh. now I will say you're looking at three Asian... successful vloggers and a, and a faker over here. <laughs> <laughs> growing up with an Asian dad, I will say the concept of being a creator is still not a thing. <laughs> My see? Like, see? Not a yep. lawyer, not a doctor. You're still a failure but, to me, son. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but he raised you in such a way that you can be successful at it, right? That's and, true. He gave me other resources. We kind of got to give yeah. 
we kind of got to give our dad's father figures credit for they succeeded you know, in all the stuff we're talking about, even if they didn't publish it on YouTube and say, look, we did. We're talking <laughs> about it. And we're trying to do it. Pretty, I want to have my dad on the podcast one day, guys. Love it, though. <laughs> right. Let's go meta, boys. We're going to the metaverse. <laughs> oh, man. Well, oh. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and close things out. Thank you so much to Carl for joining us today. I'm gonna Again, I'm going to have all of his socials linked for you guys down uh, in the show notes or in the description of the uh, YouTube video uh, so that you guys can go ahead and, uh, and, and hit that follow button for him, uh, whether that's through Instagram or YouTube or where have you. Um, and I, I do want to sp- uh, thank our, 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 our sponsors for this podcast, uh, which is Carhartt. Uh, actually, no, they haven't paid us. No one's sp- sponsoring this channel, guys. No, it's Mel- Melon. Could be PGA. We have no sponsors, guys. So thank you to no one still, still for, your, for your unwavering oh, okay. support. Throwing brands out there. He's like, free advertising Nike. here. Free advertising Apple. here. Yeah. Apple. Goodness. Thank you to One no day one. we're going to get one. One day, one day we're going to get one. But if you guys do want to support us while we do hunt for a, a sponsor one day, you can join the Dadverd Discord community. Uh, we're going to have that linked uh, down in the description below. Uh, and also, uh, we've got uh, courses over at dadverb.com in case you want to uh, check out some new content for um, new and expectant dads up to the first year of fatherhood. We've always got courses ready uh, for you there. My name is Andrew. Uh, I'm going to be signing off right now, but remember to like, subscribe, and turn on the notifications on YouTube so you can be uh, ready for any new uploads and episodes that we have. We've been staying pretty consistent, thanks to Andrew. So uh, you're definitely going to be getting those notification dings every single week. Please comment down below. Your feedback means the world to us. We didn't do a five-star review, but we did have one come in from Caster. We're going to save that for next week, but go ahead and comment because we're going to be happy to read any of those comments on upcoming episodes. Until next time, thank you for listening or watching on YouTube and keep dadding like a pro. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. All right, man.